You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey, everyone. This is another episode of One on None. It's me again driving in my car. Uh, yeah, it's what I do to get to work and get back to home. What am I doing? Why am I being this way? Okay, so this week, this episode, I don't know how often I'm going to be putting these out. I don't know if I said that in the last episode, but yeah, I don't know how often I'm going to be putting these out. Uh, but anyway, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about Dark Phoenix because I finally saw it. Um, I did want to go opening weekend, but then I was kind of on the fence about it uh, ever since kind of like... X-Men Apocalypse, I, I wasn't really interested in watching any more of the X-Men films, um, just because to me, for me, specifically me, um, Apocalypse was just so boring, I didn't like it at all, and uh, I, I was just not really in the mood to, to further my experiences with this franchise, um, but... Uh, I was curious about this, especially because I am now a member of the AMC All-Star Scrubs uh, pass or whatever. Uh, I have that. I can go watch the movies now. Uh, three movies a week for AMC. Uh, I keep calling it Scrubs because that's what comes to mind, but it's not called Scrubs. It's called AMC uh, Stubbs Pass Stars or something. I don't know. It's Stubbs, not Scrubs. Anyway, you all know that, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, now that I have them, it's easier for me to uh, justify going to the theater. Um, and like I'm paying a ticket's worth of, of a bunch of movies. Um, anyway, so I went to go see it and I've seen a lot of uh, bad reviews or reviews of it being bad. Uh, and especially one by someone that I really, really, really respect who was vehemently um, offended by the film and I think it was very triggering for this person who uh, has had a lot of traumatizing experiences as a kid and so this actually got me curious to see like what was so bad um, and, and just what would I get from it and like can I lend to that conversation or whatever it turns out probably not um, I will say up the up front that I did like the movie. I didn't love it because I felt like the first half, the first act, um, you know, into the second act of the film were not all that great because it did a lot of the tropes that I think um, we as X-Men fans were afraid it would do. Um, so it did that. But then the like third act, I really, really got into and I really, really liked. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, um, I guess stop listening at this point because I'm going to start going into some spoiler stuff. Uh, if you care about spoilers, if you don't care about spoilers or if you have seen it, continue listening. So here, here's what I kind of got off from the beginning. I was a little upset with it because it seems like Simon um, Kinberg, is that his name? Um, the guy who directed and wrote it also wrote um, The Last Stand, which is, you know, objectively the worst film in that saga of X-Men movies. And so, you know, we all went into it very skeptical and I gotta say, he started off the film doing exactly what he kind of did with the first uh, go at it, 
And I, it was weird that he would do this. And it made me feel like this guy either doesn't like Jean Grey or doesn't like the story and feels like his version is better. Uh, and you all can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't remember Jean Grey having this traumatizing childhood that Professor X suppressed from her. Now, doing a little bit of comparison from The Last Stand to Dark Phoenix, I know that I should treat Dark Phoenix as, Phoenix as its own film. However, it was the exact same guy. So <laughs> I kind of want to compare them. Um, in The Dark, uh, sorry, in The Last Stand, um, Jean Grey's powers were being suppressed by Professor Xavier. He was keeping her back from realizing the full potential of her powers and you know when she was she resurrected herself I guess uh there wasn't really like a phoenix force in the film that possessed her uh she just kind of became the phoenix and you know she resurrected herself and came back as this person who was driven by I don't know uh anger maybe um maybe she was driven by the hurt that she she felt because she had her power suppressed um i i don't really know i'm not sure the movie explored it well but anyway in the dark phoenix the big revelation is that professor xavier lied to jean about her father being alive so in the beginning of the film we see a young Jean Grey as a kid driving with her parents. She's not driving. Her parents, her mother is driving and she's in the back seat and they're listening to music and Jean's like, I don't want to listen to this. Let's change the station. And the parents say, no, they like the song. And Jean telekinetically changes the station. And I don't think that Jean really knows what's going on. Um, I think this is like the manifestation of her powers. And her parents are freaking out. Um, they're wondering what's happening. Jean's freaking out because she's starting to hear these thoughts and everything and she wants it to stop and she makes her mother fall asleep at the wheel and they end up crashing into this truck. They get in a horrible accident. Jean is able to protect herself in this telekinetic force field um, so she doesn't get hurt whatsoever. The mother dies. The father is very hurt and um, from what we see in the film, Professor Xavier goes to Jean while she's in some kind of uh, foster care system or something and basically recruits her into the school, says, you know, I can teach you that. Um, actually, he doesn't even really say that he's going to teach her anything. He just talks about how she could be accepted um, at the school and that she may feel like she's weird, but weird doesn't mean bad and weird can mean beautiful and all this stuff he says to her, which is really nice. And when they get to the school, he talks about how he's gonna like teach her how to use her powers and stuff. And she's like, no, you can't do that because I break things. Like I'm gonna break your stuff. And he said, it's fine if you break my stuff, I can fix it. And then she said, well, what about fixing me? And he says, I don't need to fix you, you're not broken. And I just think that that's really, really beautiful to, to have as a message. Um, I didn't really have a problem with all of that stuff. It was what came afterwards, which is, you know, they go into space. Jean gets, uh, she absorbs the Phoenix Force. And 
she becomes very, very powerful. And what the force does to her, the Phoenix force does to her is it like elevates her desire, or at least that's how she explains it. Like she just feels like her desires are elevated. And um, she, she, we see her like drinking a bit more, being a little bit more uh, affectionate with Scott. And, and she even describes it as like her feeling good, like this new power that's being elevated, that has elevated her, it makes her feel good. And um, eventually we see her kind of go through what she went, as a chi- went through as a child and she like uses her powers to like try to make everything stop. And she ends up uh, knocking herself out, I guess being overwhelmed by the power. Charles Xavier tries to read her mind. He finds out that she's learning the truth about the secret that he kept from her, which is that her father's alive. And this is like very, very upsetting to her. And she feels very betrayed by him. And in the film, in the beginning, we see Mystique confronting Xavier about how he is reaping all of the rewards that the X-Men are giving. Because in this world, at this point in time, X-Men mutants are celebrated as heroes. And, you know, he's got his own personal line to the president and everything. And he's being rewarded and all this stuff. And she, uh, Mystique, is kind of like, we are doing all the work and you're reaping the rewards. And I feel like we're not doing this for us anymore. We're doing it for you. I don't know what kind of world we're building right now because everything we're doing, it seems like you're benefiting and not necessarily everyone else. And so right away they kind of set up that Xavier is maybe not uh, being a great guy about this entire situation and um, so we're kind of being told that we shouldn't be on his side and so anyway throughout the movie we're seeing Jean kind of try to figure out who she is we find out that her father didn't want her and that's why the professor told her that he died and she's like kind of driven by this idea that she's not wanted and so she goes to Magneto seeking help. He kind of rejects her um, because she's so powerful and he feels like he needs to protect his group of mutants and stuff. And um, so he rejects her. And so she's getting a lot of these emotions of rejection uh, or at least that people are rejecting her. Uh, and, and it's kind of driving her power. And all the while we have um, Jessica Chastain's character, who we learn is like an alien. The Phoenix Force destroyed their planet. Now they're trying to, uh, the people who survived are trying to use that power to rebuild their their world on Earth. So they want to basically kill all the humans and rebuild the Earth for themselves and like rebuild their, uh, their species, I guess. And so she basically goes to Jean and tries to convince her that, you know, she's got all this power and people have been trying to hold her back from using it and all this stuff. And she talks about how she can create this world and everything and and she could do whatever she wants. And she kind of frames to Jean that they can kind of go around creating beautiful worlds with each other. Um, But that's not really Jessica's character's uh, goal. I don't remember the name of her character. I don't remember them using it very often at all. But anyway, um, I guess I, I forgot to say that uh, Mystique is killed by Jean in a plea for her to kind of like control her emotions. And she's telling her like, I'm here for you. I'm here. I'm not scared of you. And 
Jean has like a bit of a power surge moment and accidentally kills uh, Mystique. And that kind of starts dividing some of the mutants against her and stuff. Uh, anyway, at the end of the film, the third act, like I said, is my favorite part of the movie because uh, they have kind of just like one of the coolest fight sequences I think I've seen in not only X-Men films, but just superhero fil films in general. Because uh, once Magneto finds out that Jean killed uh, Mystique, he's kind of like, I'm going to kill her then. And he approaches her, and at this point, Jean is kind of being brainwashed by this alien. And he's... <laughs> This part pissed me off. But anyway, he uh, he approaches her and he's like, I'm here to kill you or whatever. And she's like, try. And he tries and he gets like very close. But you learn that she's basically playing with him. And he never had a chance whatsoever because he uses uh, this railing, um, the bar on the railing of some stairs. Uh, and he's going to like stab her with it. And it gets like right up against her eye. But then she basically makes it go limp and so she's like you said you came here to try to kill or you said you came here to kill me let me show you um how to kill someone and so she basically like crushes his skull a bit and then um breaks his helmet apart and stabs him with a bunch of the pieces and he goes flying out the window and into the street and stuff and we assume he's dead but then he's not. <laughs> so I don't really understand how he like survived that because there were big ass chunks of metal that like stabbed him. But I guess it's, you know, mutants and maybe he could heal fast. I don't know. That's never been his power. But uh, after all this, like the government quickly turns on the mutants because of this one incident where uh, they know that Jean Grey has this power because they had this whole fight in like a, a residential area or whatever earlier in the film and they're trying to apprehend her and she kind of stops them from doing that uh in the middle of the film and then so at this point the government has turned on all mutants they are opening internment camps and stuff and they're capturing mutants basically and so they go to this fight that's occurring and they try to capture everyone at this point um the x-men are being taken down by these human soldier people and Jean Grey and Professor Xavier kind of have this moment where she's going to try to kill him or she's playing with him or whatever. It's this long drawn out moment where she's like forcing him to walk and he looks in pain uh, more emotionally in my opinion than physically because she's making his legs move and he's like, you know, I can't because she says, I forget what the line was that he asks, but he's basically like, if you're going to kill me something, please don't. I want to like talk to you or whatever, look inside my head or something. I forget what, but uh, she's like, why don't you come closer? And so she forces him to walk. And, and to me, that was, I didn't see that as a physical pain, but emotional and kind of like embarrassment or shame that he was make, she was making him do this. Um, I thought that was a really good moment. And when he finally is next to her, he like pleads for her to look inside his head. He's like, I can't read your mind, but you can read mine. 
know what I'm thinking, know what I'm feeling. And so she goes into his, his head and he starts, we start seeing like little moments where he's with her that we've already seen in the film. And he's talking about how, you know, again, she's not weird. And if she is weird, it's beautiful and like all this stuff. And he talks about building a family and, and how he wants her to be his family. And and she sees how how the father basically told him that he could not keep Jean as a daughter because she's a mutant and she killed the mother. And like, basically he's afraid of her and he doesn't trust her and all this stuff. And, and you see Xavier making an argument for like, Jean is a person, she's a human and she like, she's worth loving and all this stuff. And, and that's when you see Jean kind of revert back to herself, taking control of the Phoenix Force. Um, and you see her crying and stuff. And, and she tells him that, uh, no, 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 this isn't the moment. Um, but anyway, the, the alien, like, she, uh, Jean says that she doesn't want the power anymore. She doesn't want the power and the alien is basically like, give it to me. And so she like agrees to it. And so the alien starts absorbing the power from her or the Phoenix Force. But she, it seems to me that it wasn't just the Phoenix Force she was absorbing. She was actually absorbing like Jean's life force as well. And uh, you see like Charles begging her to stop because you know, Jean is dying and stuff. Um, and then they're interrupted and uh, Jean falls to the ground. Um, oh, because uh, Cyclops comes in and blasts uh, the alien. And so Jean falls to the ground, she's unconscious. And then that's when the soldier guys come in and they capture the mutants. And so they put like these power dampening collars on them and stuff and drag them away. They put them on a train, they're gonna be taken to the internment camp. Um, and this scene on the train is what I'm talking about, the fight that was so, so cool because you see Magneto and the X-Men team up to fight these aliens who are after the Phoenix Force because, again, they want to use that Phoenix Force power to rebuild their civilization on Earth. Oh, excuse me. So there's this huge-ass fight scene that occurs on the, the train, which was shocking to me because it got violent and they weren't like there was no blood really that you saw but you did see stabbings you saw necks being broken you saw like a lot of violence in it and it was crazy but it was also really cool to see the team up of of these mutants and seeing their powers work together there is a a moment where Nightcrawler is kind of being a bit of a pacifist in this film where he's mainly using his powers to like help others be transported from place to place. He's like helping them get to their missions or whatever. And he's not really fighting, but at this point, um, I forget what exactly happened. Oh, oh, he's trying to protect someone uh, and he like tries to transport them away from getting hurt, but he's a little too late and the person ends up dying and it like unlocks something in Kurt 
that he like goes into a berserker mode and starts using his abilities and his combat skills the way we saw in X2 when he was in the Oval Office or in the White House and he was using his powers to like attack all the Secret Service people and uh, then you know you see like the slow motions of him uh, bamfing back and forth between uh, fighting people and he had this knife <laughs> that he used on his tail and and he would like be stabbing people like there was one time where he was just bamfing all over this one person and every time he like bamfed in he would like stab them multiple times bamf out bamf him again stab them in different areas it was just so cool to see and i know like violence is not good but you know what this is a superhero film it's okay uh it's fiction it's it's not real but it was so cool to see that i was a little bit disappointed in a uh, storm as a character in this i don't know that i feel like in apocalypse they got her more right than they did in this film and in Apocalypse, you don't really see much of her. And this one, we don't see much of her either. But, like, all of her, like, badass moments weren't really that badass. I don't know. I didn't really care. There was one moment where she used her lightning on top of the 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 do-do-do-do-do-do uh, train. Um, and, and she was, like, zapping a ton of people. And you just saw, like, the lightning bounce back and forth between them. I thought that was kind of cool. But... Eh, her as a character and and the things that she did wasn't all that impressive to me i mean it was impressive because you know like i can't do that but i just storm is such an iconic x-men like and, and i just don't think that they gave that to her in this film anyway um so i know i'm just i like recapped the movie <laughs> but but that scene was just it was to me like maybe I'm just overreacting, but it was like art to me. It was just so cool. It wasn't, I mean, I don't know. It, it was so, so, so entertaining. And I think my level of entertainment was elevated because the people behind me were having such a great time reacting and hearing them react. And they're like, ooh, and yeah. And they're just like cheering the screen on because what was on the screen was really cool. Um, anyway. So eventually, uh, <laughs> Magneto was really cool too, because he was using like the train to do his fighting and stuff. He didn't really do hand-to-hand -hand combat, that's not Magneto, but uh, he used like the metal parts of the train to do his bidding and like, oh, you, if you're gonna watch the film, this is what you watch it for, the third act. Um, Anyway, eventually, uh, Jean, she's been unconscious this whole time. She eventually wakes up and because um, Charles is kind of like talking to her as she's unconscious. He's trying to like get into her brain or whatever. And eventually he's able to reach her and she wakes up and she's like in full control of the Phoenix Force at this point. And um, she like tells Charles that she forgives him. And I felt like it was fair that she did because I understand that lying about her father being dead was kind of harsh and he probably should have told her the truth eventually sooner than her being an adult uh, but I understand why he would have done that as a kid like well how do you tell a kid that their father doesn't want them like I don't know I feel like that might be more traumatizing than telling a kid that their father passed away in an accident but then again she has to live with the idea 
uh, that she's the reason both her parents died. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done in that situation, but I don't feel like he should have been punished more than he was for that. Um, Anyway, she forgives him. It's a nice moment. And uh, she makes the train. She uh, float up in the air and she takes it into this like abandoned looking area. And the fight just almost got hit by somebody. (laughs) The fight almost, um, not almost, it continues there. And she's just literally obliterating people. And at one point, um, someone runs behind her with this like very large uh, piece of, I don't know what, but it's very sharp and stabs her through the chest and like lifts her up. And, and we're assuming at this point that she's maybe hurt and going to die in my head. I was like, no, she's the fucking Phoenix. Like she can survive this. She can heal herself or whatever. And it lasted a little long enough it lasted long enough for me to think that, oh, maybe they are going to kill her. But then they didn't. The, 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 the weapon, the thing that he stabbed her with, like she made liquefy and then disappear. And then she turned around and obliterated the guy that stabbed her. Uh, and then um, the Jessica Chastain's character finally shows up and, and they start battling. And, and then her character grabs Jean Grey by the throat and is starting to like try to absorb the power again and it like Jean is not phased by it this time whatsoever she's just like yeah bitch take the power and what we see is that like the power is becoming way too overwhelming for Jessica's character and she eventually tries to pull away she like lets go of Jean's neck and like tries to to step back but then Jean grabs her hand and puts it like right back at her neck and like forces her to continue absorbing this power that she is not strong enough whatsoever to absorb and um and then I thought I mean I thought that was pretty cool because I was like Jesus Christ that's badass of this like character who I love uh, doing that, being like, you you try to take advantage of me, you try to manipulate me, you're trying to take this power that I can control, and you clearly cannot, and like, you need to be taught a lesson about this, and she's teaching her that lesson, it's so good. Um, this thing happens that, to me, was so unfortunate, because the power be- starts becoming a little bit uh, too much, and uh, it's, like, um, escalating a bit, and Scott tries to run towards Jean to be like, yo, you're, you're about to destroy this area. Like you need to pull back a little bit. And he starts like his hand starts Thanos snapping and (laughs) um, uh, like dusting up, I guess. And he's like, you know, he pulls away and he like pleads to her and Jean turns and notices him. And, uh, she like stops and, and I don't, well, she doesn't really stop, but she, like, retracts the power a bit. And then she does something that really bothered me. She went up into space, destroyed the alien, and then I don't... She, We're led to believe in that moment that she, like, exploded and destroyed herself. Later on, we see that that's not necessarily true, but... um what I liked about this ending that they had here was that in the end, 
they renamed the Xavier School to the Jean Grey School. Um, and I thought that was really cool because that's something that happens in the books. And um, Xavier is no longer there. We kind of go through the school. We watch children running around and going to class and stuff. And we see Beast walk into Professor X's office. And it's not his office anymore. It's now Hank's office. Um, so Xavier's gone. He's no longer running the school. And I think that it's appropriate that he left. Like Mystique kind of had a point in calling him out on the whole, like, you aren't making a better world for mutants anymore. You're making a better world for yourself at this point. And I don't necessarily think that's 100% true, but I think it is partially true. I think that both things could be true for Professor X in this film. Um, and so I liked that about it. Um, and so one of the little little uh, Easter egg things is that we kind of see Quentin Quire and I love him so much. Uh, we see this little kid in shorts and shaved sides, pink uh, faux hawk or mohawk hair or whatever um and glasses running through the school so i was like yeah quentin i love him <laughs> anyway the film ends with uh charles and magneto meeting up in france i believe and they play a game of chess uh together after having a little bit of a heart-to-heart -heart talk about how professor x saved Magneto and now it was Magneto's turn to save Professor X. I thought that was nice. And then the camera pans up to the sky and we see a silhouette of the Phoenix Force in the sky. And in toward at the end there is a voiceover by Jean talking about how she's evolved, I guess, how how she uh, found her family and all this stuff and then she was able to like evolve and I take that as like a metaphorical and literal uh thing that she's talking about and it it upset me that it happened because I think Jean Grey doesn't have to go out at all uh in this story I don't think that it was necessary for her to sacrifice herself at the same time, I kind of feel like maybe this is her peace. Um, like she, she can be at peace with this decision. She does evolve into like a, a, a different higher being, I guess. And she can maybe now be a force to like watch over Earth and mutants, I guess. But I, I don't know. I don't feel like that is earned for this saga of the films. I think that maybe if it was done in The Last Stand, it would have been better because we do get three films of Jean Grey and we get the second film, which kind of explores her power growing and like her becoming the Phoenix. And then the third film is her being the Phoenix. Um, and in this series of films of the four films, didn't really give us that much Jean Grey. Um, and so I don't know. I'm a little bit conflicted about, about that part of it. But like I said, 
I'm home now. So this part of the, this episode is about to end. Um, like I said, I did like the film. The first half of the film I didn't like because I don't feel like her anguish. Uh, I don't feel like, how do I want to say this? I don't want to say this in a dismissive way because I'm not dismissing it because I understand that trauma is very real and affects people in a very real way. Um, I just, from what we saw and what we got from Jean Grey's story, I don't feel like this was necessary uh, for us to have a tortured Jean uh, because she was tortured right away. And in Apocalypse, we see her as an outsider, but we don't see her as tortured. So I don't know. Uh, I Like I said, I think Michael Kinberg, I think that's his name. Uh, I think he just doesn't like her or something because he wanted to tell the story again and he gave her almost the exact same story. And I don't think that this is her story in the films. I mean, sorry, in the comics. So it's just weird to me. And like I said in the beginning, correct me if I'm wrong. I just don't think that this is her story. And if it is, I would love for you guys to correct me and tell me where I can find that because, you know, then I'll eat my words. But yeah, last half of the film, great. First half, not so great. Uh, so that's why I, I would just say that I liked it. I didn't love it. But that fighting sweet sequence, god damn it, it was so cool. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. Do with, do with that review what you will. Uh, um, spend your money watching it or don't. Uh, I, think, I think it's worth a watch, though. Because I would say, to me, in my opinion, it was better than The Last Stand and it was better than Apocalypse. I will say that for sure in my opinion, for me. Uh, so if you felt uh, that they were really bad, maybe this film will be better for you. I don't know. I don't think that it got a fair score in, you know, the critics' reviews and all that stuff uh, because I don't think it was that bad. I think if this was set in the MCU, I think people would be a lot less pissed off with it. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's a contro- controversial thing to say, but I, I do feel that way. Uh, so anyway, that's it. That's, that's, that's my one-on-none, uh, episode on Dark Phoenix. I really, really am curious about what you all thought. So hit me up on Twitter, Le Richard C or interview a nerd. Uh, and I'm on all social media. You can find me on Facebook and on Instagram also at Le Richard C. I think I'm public on Facebook. So if you want to follow me there or friend request me I don't really know how it works on Facebook I just get friend requests and I'm like okay sure uh go ahead we can chat it up there as well and yeah that's the episode thank you guys again for listening to this episode again if you guys don't like this I said this in the last episode if you guys don't like hearing just me talk about a thing that I like or didn't like or my feelings on a thing let me know because uh, I won't keep putting these out here if people don't want to hear it. <laughs> I guess you guys just won't listen to it if you don't, but uh, I'm giving you the option to to have different content. Again, the reason I'm doing this is just because it's so much easier for me to record an episode while I'm driving than it is for me to get a person to come in and, and talk about a thing. Uh, people are busy and it's been really hard to schedule people. So yeah, anyway... Uh, have a great rest of the week. Uh, stay safe out there and be kind to one another. Bye.